Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Welcome, everybody. I'm reporting from the uh, Illinois Cannabis Summit over at the Schaumburg Renaissance Center, and uh, I'm kind of testing out the broadcast to make sure that it actually works. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be going live from here for the Cannabis Legalization News, and we have T.G. Branfeld from Gontrepreneurs Podcast on, so please join us for that. And uh, don't forget to give us a nice like and to subscribe so other people find this. Uh, fortunately, the state of Illinois has given us some more information today, and last Friday on October the 11th, they, they actually updated their application. Uh, they updated their application, and let's let's kind of dive to it. Right now, we're going to start talking about the... Um, uh, we'll go to this. The state has provided information regarding the social equity of cannabis loans, and they've provided who qualifies. This is the DCEO's website, so it's the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. Um, interestingly enough, they go through all these things, but you know what they aren't including? They aren't including what was from the statute itself, and it's it's kind of, it's kind of thin. It's only two pages, and uh, right here they have this email address. Uh, emails are going to be quite important because after this, we're actually going to be sending an email to... Um, the state, and we're going to start that email shortly. But on that DCEO thing, they forgot to mention that uh, the uh, loans are only available if there's these two prongs that are in it. One of it is, is that none of your principals have to have made more than $750,000 a, uh, a year. And then, hey, is this the, are these the dube tubes? Can I? Awesome. So I would like to thank the uh, smoking professionals for uh, sending out the dube tubes. So when you come down to um, the Schomburg thing, do I have to sign something? Okay, uh, it's just a second. I'll sign. There's only 13 people watching. Yeah, um, right there. Yeah. I don't stay here, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, I was at a different hotel. They're charging me five dollars for that, everybody. Here's a here's a ten. Change. All right. So uh, back to this. The, the other thing that really happened over the, the course of the past few days, besides um, getting real live dube tube things, are the, uh, the update of the application. And how do they update the application? They updated the application very specifically. And we're going to do a couple of things. First, we're going to be doing an email to these guys right here because it is time. It is October 15th today. And come on out to see us over at the um, 
over at the uh, Illinois Cannabis Summit at the Schaumburg Renaissance Center. And so the most important thing is that we are going to be giving uh, a lot of questions to the state. And I'm doing this as a service. It's free service for my clients. And so uh, we can actually get to the questions right now. I blow those up a little bit. So the questions that I want to ask the the state have to do a lot with the social equity. And that's actually what the uh, state fixed in here. You see, uh, the state sometimes doesn't um, include the statutory language in its application. And that's what they just did with the ECO on the, uh, the information they provided for the people with the loans. They forgot to include that, that section that says you have to have less than $750,000. And there is another requirement that I just I haven't memorized the entire statute. Uh, and then also uh, here in, in the application itself, they had given a uh, false uh, false thing that it was outside the bounds of the statute. For the full-time employees, it does not matter if you live in a disproportionately impacted area for five of the past 10 years. It just matters if you currently reside in a disproportionately impacted area and the application defines current res residents for uh, living in Illinois for only 30 days. That's a great news. So if you're watching this from a different state and you were actually arrested in the state of Illinois for what they're calling a minus cannabis offense, and that basically is possession of cannabis of a pound or less or intent to distribute of an ounce or less. Uh, and you move back to the state of Illinois after 30 days, you will qualify as a social equity applicant. So now let's dive back in to the real thing that I'm going to be sending out here live and indirect. Uh, I want to make sure that we talk about the seven questions that I have for the state. Let's blow up those seven questions. Oh, let's go full screen on the seven questions. Why not? And so these mostly have to do with the social equity. Uh, for example, my first one is here. Uh, are the social equity points binary, if so, or are they going to be graded on a range? If so, what factors go into that calculation? You see, uh, we really don't know how these social equity points are going to be apportioned. Are you going to suddenly going to get 50 points if you uh, qualify as a social equity applicant? Because there's some tomfoolery that's going around, especially in the corporate formation, but also in staffing that's out there. So let's go back to question number two. And question number two is, oh, this one's good. Um, Will a management company strip off profits of the dispensary to control the social ownership be allowed? Are they going to allow that? You see, in a lot of medical professions they have, or other cannabis professions, they have these management companies that come on and they, they help operate the, uh, the cannabis dispensary and then they just yank out all uh, the, the profits from the dispensary. So you might own 51%. The only thing you would get is your salary. Is, how, is, how is the state going to look at that when it comes to the social equity points? All right, let's go to number three. Uh, number three question, how will the state view options to buy out the social equity owners for fair market value in three years after the company has grown into a social equity business by hiring? Now, uh, this is kind of an interesting concept. What if you have the role of a president for your social equity company there, and then you, you buy them out after three years? It all goes into the planning, into the job offer itself. And then that social equity president, after he's bought out, because it's 51% in three years, he's going to have enough capital, and he's still going to be a social equity applicant to be able to create his own dispensary application. 
application. And you're going to say, well, wait a second. Uh, the application only go through uh, 2021. And then after that, in 2022, no, we aren't sure. Because after 2022, there's still going to be approximately 220 applications up to the maximum statutory uh, of 500 dispensaries. Now, of course, one of the things we'll be doing is lobbying on the behalf of our clients to make sure that that number is increased. But we always want to make sure that it's distributed evenly uh, as they have done currently in the statute. And that I mean that only 10 licenses for a dispensary may be held by any one entity. 10 out of 500 is only 2%. So let's not dilute that and allow for um, consolidation before it's time. So the next question that I have for my clients is, how will the state view proxies to vote shares of the social equity owners? Again, this gets back to control. This is more control over the social equity owners because now they've essentially taken away their voting rights by held, holding them in proxy for someone else. Uh, I don't know if the state's going to allow that. That's one of the reasons why I'm asking them because you know if you don't ask the state and you're going to be creating these types of corporate formations with all these interesting things, and you don't know how the state's going to respond to that, you know, you really should be asking them before you submit it to them. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing that for the clients. All right, let's go to question number five, staffing companies. I'm going to be editing this one in real time. Um, five. Oh, man. This is just one of those examples of Windows 95 where everything goes wrong, isn't it? Uh, how will the state view staffing companies to pay 10 full-time employees, six of which are uh, social equity app, equity applicants before opening their doors? And that gets to uh, something that I have seen, and I'm not sure if it's going to currently still be there. Uh, this top light is great, I tell you. Look at these, look at these forehead wrinkles. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the social equity applicants, they're, they're going to, what, put these guys all on payroll? Because at the time that you apply, according to the statute, you need to have uh, 10 full-time employees. So basically, you would have to have 10 full-time employees on payroll, and then what? You pay them once, you pay them for December, and then you furlough them for five months, or do you have to pay them every month? Or did they really want the 51% ownership and control? And the point of the third social equity applicant is for like, oh, the GTIs of the world that want to maximize their licenses in the state of Illinois. Or if you want to go for licenses numbers two, three, or four, up to 10, remember. So there's that. And I'm not sure how the state is going to look at it. So I'm going to ask that as well. And then let's, uh, let's go back to these questions. The next one, number six, do management companies need to be disclosed on the org chart or buried in the operating agreement? And that's one of those things where they might just try to slip one in there by uh, disclosing on the org chart who's going to be reporting to who and then uh, in the operating agreement or in some other contract that's that's further into your operating agreement because there's no page limit on those. So you could have all the contracts, the employment contracts and whatnot uh, up in there. Uh, and then you'd have uh, somewhere buried in there this, this management agreement. So they really aren't going to be owning and controlling it. You're going to have this manager come in and operate it for the people that actually own and control it. And then what does ownership and control mean? Provide examples. I'm going to do that as question number eight. Let's kind of dive into that one then. Uh-huh. Question eight. Oh, asterisk, nice, eight, and then that. Can you provide examples of ownership and control? 
All right. And then question seven, which should have come before number eight, is what if you no longer live in a disproportionately impacted area, DIA, but have for more than five of the past seven years? And I've seen this come up a few times. People used to live in a disproportionately impacted area and then they move. But then and this is one of the things that I did with my math. I can very quickly get to 4.5 years, but then I'll stay there until I've lived there for five straight years because you know, one, one day would drop off uh, as every day goes forward. So uh, what if you, for the past eight years, live in a disproportionately impacted area and then you just move to a nice place that's no longer in it? How is the state going to look at that if you're no longer residing there, but you did for the past five out of the pen, 10 years? Uh, will that count? So most of my questions that I'm asking the state really does have to do with uh, this issue of social equity. And uh, how will the state view staffing companies? All right. Uh, and then that's it. I'm going to go ahead and send it. After that, I think I can just totally get rid of that. And that'll bring me back up. And now what you really came for, watching me open this dube tube box, which I had to pay five bucks for, in addition to how much I had to pay for the dube tubes. So exciting. Well, those are caps. And these are dube tubes. So the dube tube is um, here, and it says on the website, and if you need anything, of course, Google Cannabis Lawyer, and then visit me at Cannabis Industry Lawyer. And then the other side, it has our legalization news, which you're watching this on. So anyway, I'm going to end this at about 11 minutes, and I'm going to get back to being sociable, because right now I'm just kind of hanging out. You guys want to see what's going on? Sure. All right. Well, there's the guys that live next to me. Uh, yeah, they live here and then there's some more people and then some more people and then some more people and uh, you know maybe even you will be here if you come out to the Renaissance Center in Schaumburg and um, hopefully this worked I'm going to go ahead and check it now and it looks like we'll be good to go tomorrow for cannabis legalization news at 2 p.m. we have a great guest T.G. Branfeld from the Gondrepreneur podcast so please like subscribe and then I shall see you tomorrow.